Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 24, Floaties Hype. Welcome to the podcast. Ignore the person yelling in the background. That was me. And I'm so thankful that you decided to come on to today's show as a listener to hear this amazing interview that I have with Cat Named Virtue. I got a really big detail wrong in something that we talked about, and that's my challenge to you, the listeners. If you hear it, please tweet it out to me to say, you got that wrong. Because it was honestly my fault. I was not thinking. I just mixed up a few little minor details that are also major. So (laughs) I think it'll be fun just to lay that challenge forth for you. See if you can catch the detail gone wrong. If you don't want to do that, it's all good. Please enjoy this interview with Cat Named Virtue. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so happy to be joined by Cat Named Virtue, who does all kinds of fun stuff around Melee and within Melee, and we will get into all that. But V, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Jesse. Really appreciate you taking the time because you have a pretty busy schedule by the looks of your Twitter. We'll definitely have that linked in the description of the podcast of this episode, by the way, Twitter and whatever else. We'll get to that at the end. But just in case anyone's listening and is not already dropping a follow, please drop a follow. So at cat named underscore V on Twitter, you definitely seem to keep yourself busy around Melee. Is that true or do you feel like it's more of oh, it's not that much. Like, what would you say your mentality is behind how much you do around Melee? Um, I feel like I kind of dip my toes into, like, a little bit of a ton of things. And the more that those things, like, fulfill me, like, giving me something to do and something that feels rewarding and meaningful to the community, I'll, like, kind of dive into that thing deeper and more and more. Like, uh, if I'm doing tournament organizing and it feels like it's really going well, I'll kind of invest in that thing if I'm doing commentary and it feels like a lot of events are enjoying having me there or it's being well received. I kind of invest in that. There's like pulls in a bunch of directions. Yeah, I can see that you're saying to yourself, if I'm having a good time, if other people are having a good time, increase that output. And I feel like sometimes there might be this this feeling where it sort of ebbs and flows. You sort of made it sound like that as time goes on and as things sort of shift that you'll say, so I'm going to lean into this a little bit more now. Would you say that's true or have you decided, oh, I'm pretty, pretty set on how I like to participate in Melee? Um, yeah, that's kind of like a tricky thought because like I definitely kind of like lean towards whatever thing feels like it's rewarding me and the people around me the best. Um, but I've also like taken like huge just like breaks from doing certain things like um, before quarantine, like uh, it's tournament organizing is like the first thing that comes to mind. But like I used to host like smash fests at my apartment or my house or wherever I was living at the time. I would host them all the time. Like that's really how I got like started in smash. Um which over time developed like me going, oh, I should just run some tournaments. And I ran a couple of tournaments when I started, one of which was like at my own house, which was like a pretty, it was like a monthly sized event we would do um, called In the Garage. And that was a really, really cool event. And I know a lot of people really, really liked it from our region because it was something we didn't really have. Like our only other real locals were like one bar local 
and um, our melee at Epic, like the card shop, classic big local, right? Um, and after that, and like we moved out of that house, I just didn't like run a tournament for like I ran like one small one in like a year and a half. So like I just kind of didn't to for that whole time. Um, and then I'd even stepped away from the game for like half a year, and kind of returned during quarantine and I was like oh I'm just gonna TO an online event and I run a weekly event called pink tournament I should really say it's twice a week because we recently just started doing doubles as well as like its own event and that's kind of how it it's a pull from every side like the more it feels like the doubles community grows I start doing more doubles events and I start playing more doubles or I start doing that and I like my attention's drawn to it um yeah I don't know it really is like a pull from each side where I'll move over to things really quickly. But aside from doing the behind the scenes things that you do, you are also a player, a competitor. And the first time that I heard and saw you playing was for five days of melee, as I recall. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was there was Smash Sisters events happening during five days of melee, right? Yeah, actually. Um, I had like just gotten involved in doing Smash Sisters like, the month prior to that and they had asked me to do that one which was pretty big and it was my first time ever being involved with an event of that scale actually like i thought that was really really cool but yeah 100 percent. i was on the smash sisters crew battle i got my butt beat by chia really really hard i think in that event um yeah that was a very cool one I, i've also been involved in smash sisters and i've done uh gaylay as well I've, it's so interesting to hear about this to think about it even myself now I'm like wow I really have I've dipped my toes into so many different facets of like different communities and different things and then of course it was a pleasure to see you around the Alston Melee Bender as well helping to commentate and that sort of thing I'm also trying to come up with an excuse that I can throughout my podcast to shout out Alston Melee just because Alston Melee is a, is a big inspiration for what I'm doing here so thank you Alston Melee but it sounds like for sure that you do all kinds of things, but you said that your, well, bi-weekly is not quite accurate because it sound you made it sound like that your pink tournament series is once a month for singles and once a month for doubles. Does that sound right? Um, so for pink tournament, we actually, it's like every week we have a doubles event and a singles event right now. We've been going 30 tournaments strong as of last night was the 30th one, 30 weeks in a row um started last winter and we've only like skipped like two weeks um total but we just started doing doubles so we actually have two it's basically a tournament every three days there now (laughs) every three days basically i mean like three days and then four days then three right because it's a doubles one and then singles we've been doing doubles now i literally announced today that we're doing uh doubles at pink four which is on friday night and everything is usually, like, as soon as one's over, I announce the next one. And then once that one's over, I announce the next one. It's, like, in a constant loop. It's a lot of work, actually. Because also for the kind of gimmick of our dumb tournament, right? It's a free tournament for everybody, right? It's West Coast, but it's it's free for everyone. Um, I just draw a really bad little doodle, like, in Photoshop of the winner's, like, character, usually. And I do that for singles and doubles. And I'm not, I'm not really an artist. Um... So it takes me a long time. It's really hard. Did I lose you, V, or are you still here? Nope. 
I was I was just giving you space. Oh, thank you. I really do appreciate that. And I'm also trying to make sure that I'm giving that to you as well. But then, of course, I'm using a phone with data. So I actually have dropped calls before. So I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. Got it. Hearing, yeah. About, hearing about how you're doing all these little extra things trying to... Well, what what is the motivation behind it, do you think? And I know that's probably a hard question to think about and answer on the fly. But... I, I hear you talking about doing all these different things, and I think I am coming back to why, more or less. But to give you time to sort of let that bake, maybe I can say we'll come back to it and sort of go backwards a little bit to the beginning. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's go ahead. So when did Melee become more of a thing in your life? Like you, you probably knew about the game at a certain point in time, younger age, but when did you start to consider it seriously as being part of the community and playing and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, so of course I played as a kid. I remember it like came out when I was really, really young and me and my friends all loved it. Um, I have vivid memories of remembering when Brawl came out and we all tried to play that. And um, like half our friends just were like, this one isn't as good. And we never, like, we didn't really have like, the comprehension of why. Right. But like, um, we all all felt that and I remember that and as I kind of returned to it I had just gotten out of high school and me and my like friends and roommates at the time uh were just like whatever random reason we used to keep a GameCube in our living room because our apartment would all play Animal Crossing together right so we had like a a shared GameCube that we'd all like play every day right to play Animal Crossing and we're just like oh well we already have the TV out here and the GameCube like let's just play uh Melee and we're just doing like free-for-alls and like one of our friends worked at uh, Burger King and that he like mentioned, oh, I'm trying to get out tonight because me and my friends and roommates are going to go play Smash Bros. And this other person at his work goes, which one? And of course, that person was like a melee player, right? And so they came over and they beat us all really hard. And we all thought it was just so cool that the game could be, like, be played that way. Um, and like to see somebody who's so good at it. Uh and that just sort of got us hooked immediately. Like all of us started playing 1v1 matches instead on the tournament legal stages, or at least as close as we could think of. Um, and yeah, I, I was a Yoshi main when I started. And I did that for like, I start, went to my first tournament in the beginning of 2015. And for like two years, I just mained Yoshi and I didn't take it super duper seriously. Didn't go to like a ton of events. Um, just sort of played with like my same friends and like would go to the locals or whatever. Um, and then it was the first Don't Park on the Grass I went to, actually, that um, I like, went to that tournament and I was like pretty dedicated. I was already in like the character crisis of like changing character and maybe I want to take the game more seriously. Um, there was a old Melee streamer who I don't really want to name drop who was like really influential to me and like saying, maybe what what do I want out of Melee, right? Like, what do I want out of it? So it was really interesting that you said that about like the toing stuff because i thought about it a lot actually um and i was like what do i want i think i want to take the game more seriously um and i ha it's not that i don't think yoshi was good i was like i have all these bad habits and instead of unlearning them just for the sake of still playing yoshi i'll just find a new character and i was like don't park is going to be like my last hurrah as a yoshi player and um and then i left that tournament as a puff player and that's where i'm at today and uh so after that, yeah, I, I don't. I, it just kind of went one thing to another. Once I became like a puff player, I just got like more invested in like improving, um, which led me to be more community involved, right? Like I would know a lot more people. 
start doing tournament, like running tournaments at that point, hosting for other people all the time. Uh, and just, yeah, I don't, I don't remember how it was like, it's, it's kind of history in my head. Well, certainly and valuable history because that don't park on the grass event made you the puff player that you are today. But I'm curious as to if you remember any sort of moment where something switched or if it was a game you were playing against somebody else, a friendly or even a tournament set at Dome Park on the grass that made you think, actually, yes, Puff, because there are enough characters to choose from in Melee, especially if you're willing to deviate away from the top tiers. It doesn't have to be Fox or Falco or Marth. And Jigglypuff, of course, is high tier as well. I'm not trying to say otherwise. But what I'm saying is, do you rem- did you have any specific memory that you can think of that led you to Puff? Or, or is it all just far enough back in history for you? No, I do. Um, so it wasn't like, I've, I've never been like a, um, I've never hated floaties. I've never like disliked a character really. Um, so I didn't have like that Puff hate. I just like, our local scene didn't really have any Jigglypuff players or like any that were like prominent. So, like, I never really thought about her. And I remember I was like, oh, maybe I'll play Sheik. Maybe I'll play Falcon. Like, I mained both those characters for, like, a week or whatever, right? Where I was trying to be really serious. Fox. And then I went to Don't Park. And I still was like, this is going to be the last time I play as Yoshi, right? And I went with my friends. And uh, the Australian player, Phrase, who was currently living in Oregon, we went together. And we were just in, like, a hotel room playing Melee. And we're like, oh, let's play doubles. And Phrase told me, V... Uh, I just don't want to play doubles with Yoshi. You got to pick another character right now. And I was like, okay, who do you want me to play? Like, you know, they're my friend. They know I like don't have my character picked out, right? I'm not nearly as good as a melee player at this time. And he just said, have you played Puff? You might like that character. Um, And that was really it. And then I just loved that double session was like the first time I really played Puff and was like, my more experienced friend was just telling me, oh, do this. It's good. And I would go, oh, that is good. And then I would just like Puff. And then I stuck to it. And I played Puff the rest of the weekend at the tournament. And uh, stuck to it. Your love of floaties is definitely not missed. And, well, partially because you helped me with the research by telling me this before we started recording. But also your pinned tweet. I love this pinned tweet. I'm just going to read it. If you can't handle me at my Twitter thought posting, then you don't deserve me at my 285th ledge grab. Heart emoji. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to to wrap me up. <laughs> um, it's a great it's a great pen tweet. It's better than mine. And I'm thinking about how you seem to be because you play puff. You obviously have to lean into that floaty, that floaty is not stereotype. That's not the right word. But there's there is a certain amount of playing the game a tad slower that you have to of course respect and and know and play intentionally as a floaty that rush down and playing fast and playing aggressive is not always the move but what would you consider to be something that if you were trying to describe how you play to somebody like me on a podcast in front of other people how would how would you describe the way that you play without actually seeing gameplay itself like how would you describe it just with words yeah um so I actually think there's, it's kind of like a meme, I think. Like a lot of people have a funny impression of me because of like a couple of sets or like maybe like I play into it, right? You mentioned like you'll play into like the stereotypes of like floaties or, and I totally will. Um, I may have at one point when I started Puff wanted to be like the cool Puff player, you know, like 
this is why I was like, actually, I was very inspired by Firepuff, who you've had on here before. Mm, shout out to Firepuff by Old 12. Mango King, right? Shout out to Firepuff 12. Um, I was, I thought all those were really cool. And at some point, this thing happened where I, for the last game of a set, I like comboed into an offstage rest and this Fox star KO'd and I died first. No. And I lost the set. And I was like, wow. And then later that day, I watched Vino DH go down a game versus Eggs, the Fox player, and like kind of my tutor at the time. And Eggs is up in games and Vino realizes, wait, you don't know how to get me off the ledge. And then Vino ledge camps the remaining three games and like wins the whole set. And I was like, I'm changed now. I will never, I will never lose for trying to be cool again. And, um, my, uh, other friend, she's a peach player. Her tag is outlet or outlet seven, I guess sometimes. Uh, she said a thing that really was like the nail in the coffin for it. Right. Where she's like, there's always that thing in melee that you'll like, you'll do. And you'll think like, wow, I wish I didn't do that thing in the game. Right. I didn't have the discipline. Um, and like, that was why I lost. Right. And my thought was, I will never feel that feeling again if I just commit to what I want to do. So when I want to explain my play style, I don't like to just say I want to camp and I want to be lame because that's true a lot, right? I consider myself a pretty lame player by most metrics, but I actually think it's very hot and cold. Um, where like, sometimes I just want to do whatever I think is the best thing to do to win. And I will try to like get in people's heads. I think it's important. And sometimes the best way to get in somebody's head is to be incredibly aggressive. Sometimes it's to throw out every rest I possibly have. And like, sometimes you do that and then you just camp. And they're like, what happened? I thought I figured out the tempo of this. Like, maybe you camp a whole first game and you time out and they think you're like, you're messing with me. This is a joke. And then the next game, I don't do it at all. Um, I really think of it that way. And I think what comes up is that I'll really be out here and I'll time out somebody for multiple games in a row. And the impression will be just that I am trying to camp and be lame and they don't like that. Um, but it's not like for the impression of that. I just think it's like, it's a powerful tool to like control the tempo like that in either direction. But I think it's a lot more polarizing for people when you do the, the can't be lame things when I'll, I'll ledge camp for an entire set, when I'll circle camp on dreamland for six minutes um, I think that's a lot more polarizing for people. Yes, I'm thinking of the spacey mains through and through who just can't possibly understand that concept of trying to actually avoid interaction as compared to leaning into the interaction within a melee game. And the, my question is, from your perspective, and I'm, I'm not trying to paint you as a 100% complete expert in all things of Melee, but you have played enough that I feel confident in you saying that you, you know at least enough to answer this question of, in your opinion, being who can control the tempo of a match better than Puff? Because honestly, I think it might be Puff that's the best controller of the tempo in a game or in a set. But I'm curious as to what you think about that. Um. Yeah, I think that it's... um. There's some more complex interactions, I think, between specific characters, um, like in certain matchups. But I think that it, I, I might agree the people who control the pace of a game, like in, in my view, I, I don't know if I think Puff is number one, but she's 
probably up there with Falco. Um, mm. Falco is also really known for like being able to set the tempo of a match a lot, I think, because of like laser game. Puff's ability is like she can slow it down immensely and try to avoid things, but like certain characters can really force that interaction at some point. So I don't know. Like when I look at Fox Puff, I actually don't think of like Puff setting the pace for it. It's kind of Fox deciding what do I want to work for with lasers or with like threat ranges until I want to commit to the option, I think. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I'm following along a little bit. I was also trying to think of, while you were answering, I was also trying to think of, is Marth also good at controlling the pace? Just because Marth can can definitely plank the ledge really well also. But I, I liked what you said about specific matchups tending to present the strength of a character's ability to slow down a game. And it's not just like a, a one size fits all for Puff specifically. But I, I've watched enough yeah. of Puff oh boy i said puff and fox at the same time but i've watched enough of jigs and fox playing against each other regardless of who's behind the controller for each character that if the fox plays the matchup really well it it does feel like they're controlling the pace of the game more than the puff is even if the puff is trying to assert a slower tempo somehow the fox can just get in and get the up throw uh, up throw up there all that kind of stuff and I agree. Like it, it's so much tied into um, like whoever. The thing is in melee, when you get the lead, that you've earned your like privilege to to be campy if you want. You can now make the other person have to create the the. They have to come at you, right? Yes. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and playing with a lead. That's something that you'll definitely do if you feel like you need to. I really liked how you said you will change how slow you want to play a game, even within a set going from game one to game two or game two to game three, if it's best of five, so on and so forth. And I'm curious as to the other part of what you said where you're not going to lose because you were trying to go for the style, for the cool points. Like you will play quote unquote lame, but really you're playing to win. So that is fair. Would you find more satisfaction in winning doing whatever it takes to get there, staying disciplined, playing slower, ledge camping, circle camping, as compared to winning by doing the cool thing. If you happen to get an offstage rest in the in the future and something cool really happens like that, would you say to yourself, well, actually, that wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. I'd really rather just circle camp and win that way. Um. It's like I I definitely acknowledge things like when they're like quote unquote the cool things in melee right I I appreciate those things too but I think there's like truly an art in melee to like appreciating all of all of its depth I think and I think that like the lame things in melee truly still have a lot of interactive depth whether that's like playing for a timeout or what like I actually don't really care like if I end a game with a con like a cool combo right I, yeah that that feels good. But it equally feels good to me to like time out a game at two stocks to one and they just can't catch me. Like it, it doesn't really matter to me. Like I think what is the fun thing for me or like what makes it cool to me is like uh, asserting your will as a competitor over your opponent in whatever way that needs to happen. And sometimes like if it's the really cool way, like you get like that really cool combo like none does and you kind of assert your will that's like 
look, I can do this and I will just destroy you. And that's what you need, right? I don't know. I think both are very cool and very valuable in Melee. And I think that, like, uh, going for either one of them can be, like, a thing that you find, like, ownership of and, like, strength in. And it's cool both ways. What makes stuff cool is that there is stuff that is lame, right? Yeah, there has to be lame stuff in order for us to all appreciate the cool stuff. You're right. And so I'm also thinking of another question that I slipped out of my head here, but here's here's a, here's a question for you. In terms of the content realm, which is something that you, you, you stream the pink tournament series, so you are definitely aware of how much of a thing that is around Melee. Have you ever seen, it's okay if you haven't, have you ever seen the Melee Stats podcast video on their YouTube channel of Michael versus Bananas? the ICs versus Puff mm-hmm. set where they didn't move for an entire game on FD. Like they just, none of them, they didn't, they hardly touched their controllers at all for eight minutes straight. Did you watch that video? Yeah, I have seen that video. Um, as a, as a slight catch up to this one, uh, Michael 41 billion is my favorite player. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with it. And, uh, yeah, what what else did you want to ask about it? I am familiar with it, though. Oh, I'm just making sure that you were familiar with it. Yes, and, and is that the kind of video that you really enjoy watching just because you know some of the ins and outs of that sort of thing and it's really close to you? Or would you say you really enjoy watching things like none who can go on the slippy unranked and just find a poor soul who might have only been playing for a few weeks, four-stock them and go, oh, you just got bonded. <laughs> GG's. Because it's it's totally different I, uh, than what you're normally trying to do most of the time. Like, do you know what I mean? I do, and I absolutely love. Um, I I absolutely love watching that Michael kind of situation. Um, where was it? Did I? I actually even. It's funny that you said that. You're like, oh, was that like a video you really liked? And here I am, and I really remember messaging Gimme Dot and just saying, I really loved that new video from you. Um, about how much I love that they put that together and um, was like that's it well it's so insightful because I think a lot of people didn't understand like didn't or don't understand maybe even still like how do you get to that point and like what is it that is actually fueling those players for like to to behave that way right Um, I think maybe an even better example of that set of like what happened there is actually to talk about the um, the Fohebra versus Chango set at Battle BC3 because it was a little bit more of an understandable scenario of like both of these players are trying to play to win right and chango is simply playing to the rules of the game to like play lame to win and there's definitely like these levels of like rivalry or spite to it right um but like being able to do that and succeed in that i think is really cool in its own own ways and like the michael and banana situation was just I think the most extreme we've ever seen that interaction happen in Melee, where, like, both these players thought the actual best thing to do in the moment was to not have the interaction happen, so they could get whatever advantage they wanted. Like, I've heard, I don't know how true it is, like, the rumor that, like, Bananas did it to try to get them both DQ'd. Um, But, like, I don't think Michael, for a moment in his heart, thought, I'm just trying to get us DQ'd, or to, like, not play the game, right? The goal was to win, I think. And, like, if the if the best thing you can get was, oh, awesome, if we time out here, then someone will have a counter pick. 
right? And like now it's favorable to do something, which is more or less what happened in that set, right? Yes. And it is a great video that offers insight into why both of those players ended up into that situation and to say, you know what? That's Melee too. And maybe you don't have to embrace it fondly with loving arms and go, that's my Melee. But it is part of the game that you love. I love that there are there are more there are more content pieces out there which sort of talk about the 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 floaty side of things or, or perhaps the lame side of things. I, this might not be the best example, but I I do occasionally think back to Emperor Lemon's documentary on on Hungry Box, and there was a certain point in the video where it was like melee players that are all about the the spaces and that sort of thing, love the game, and yet somehow within the little sphere of the game, there's this tiny little dot, and it's just it was just personified by a tiny little Pikachu hidden inside of a dollar sign or something. It was so funny to me. But just developing that appreciation, it's not something that I had for a while where I was going, well, the faster the character moves, the cooler it is, and I don't understand what's going on. And I think that is the key thing that you aren't actually able to comprehend what's happening on screen. Just like everything else in Melee, a new person may not realize how cool it is that a stomp knee happens or a sacred combo. That's like the most easily viewable experience, I feel like, for a newer person. But that still might not be cool right away where they're going, okay, they got popped up and then they got hit by a strong attack. Who cares? But we're all, you know, losing our minds and whatever else because that's what happens when you watch Captain Falcon. But... I think that has a large part of why somebody who understands the spacey side of Melee having a harder time understanding the floaty side just because they fell in love with that part first. But you you are, you are have a lot of things to fall in love with with the floaty side as well, or at least that's that's my opinion. But did you have any other thoughts about I it? I, I just think it's like Melee, like, you're right. That By the way, I wanted to note that the Hungry Box video that Emperor Lemon did is like, one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time. It's a great video, right? Like, it really hits home for me. Like, I'm not a, I'm not like the biggest HBox fan in the world, right? Like, you have to appreciate somebody who like made your character, right? Right. But like, um, I I don't really care that much about HBox as a person or like his like story all that much. But I thought that video was really cool because it is like the a lot of the HBox box hate that exists is around like this play style thing that I really think about going like why why I guess right it's like there's so many cool things in melee and not everything has to be fast there's so many different ways to appreciate it like it's so many different like degrees and I think it's crazy that people only want to appreciate like the spaces the captain like falcon stuff like we even see people who like like you know the mass marth hate that exists now right oh yeah (laughs) like that's always so weird to me because it's like why why do why do you want to engage in this game for like three characters out of the cast like even though they might not be your favorite things luigi's in this game like jigglypuff the ice climbers marth sheik they're all in this game too and they have such diverse and distinct interactions with the game and the other characters like i personally think that they're really really cool and not only that i think that the way some of these characters interact with like the way the game works is really, really cool. 
And I love that <clears throat> there was a development of like the twenty XX stuff. But one of the my it was so funny when Emperor Lemon's video was like, "Yeah, well, what about the twenty FF era?" And it's true, like with Jigglypuff, and it's thanks to the the way that Hungrybox was able to win so many tournaments, especially like in the late two thousand tens. Jeez, saying that feels weird, <laughs> but that <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But then seeing Zane as well with and martha's not like it's in that medium range but like a half floaty i guess <laughs> mostly floaty i mean i should pause is martha floaty or not i so like melee doesn't have like exact weight categories right but like i always think of chic and Marth. they're the semi floaties right yeah yeah i like that they're like they're definitely not floaty like peach or puff but they're like don't fall fast you know they're not heavy characters right right and so i i think about zane as well not rising to the top with a fox or falco falcon but rising to the top and playing a better or as good a, or a better than any player in the pandemic time or the quarantine era the online era whichever we're calling it and and yeah. to and to your point that then brings out the the certain group of people who are very interested in calling it a, a 60-40 matchup between Martha and Fox and all that stuff. But uh, I love, I still love watching Martha and I've really come to appreciate, I think specifically more, more since that Emperor Lemon documentary came out. Sure, people have problems with it or whatever, but I, I think that really helped to get me to sort of look at the floatier cast in melee a little bit differently than how I used to where I didn't necessarily understand, but then I, I started to get it more. So that, that video accomplished that at the very least. And it is a good video. You're, you're absolutely right. I am remembering the question that I had for you earlier where you were talking about, Ooh, shoot, sorry, am I going too fast or did you want to wrap up the floaty? No, go ahead. Shoot. Sorry. No, you're good. I, I disagree. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, whether or not this can this scenario can exist or if this is totally not real for you when you are playing a match playing a set and you feel like you've established your your will or the the way that you want to play over the other person where it's like it's half mind games it's half the gameplay itself but you still end up losing because whatever is that something that actually happens or do you feel like you have to establish your what you're trying to do on the screen and and the mind game side of it in order to win like winning and the 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 establishing your will have to happen they both have to happen or can it just be one or the other um i think it can be one or the other or like it's more often than not like a combination right, right. like um some sets really like I, i'll be honest i've i think some sets a person will you'll like realize this player I'm fighting is more fundamentally sound at the game than I am. Right. And you go, I need to find the one thing that they do not know how to deal with. Right. Whatever one solution that might be. So a lot of that time it's like, Oh, maybe uh, kind of like in an older era, you would go, this person really is not going to beat me at the ledge. Right. And you'll say, all right, I lose game one game two though. I'm going to work hard, get my lead. And then be on the ledge, right? So, like, that's a circumstance where, like, asserting that situation, it, it is, like, pretty dominantly how you win. But more often than not, the idea is, like, a combination of, like, playing with those fundamentals and also, like, trying to make somebody scared that at any moment 
you might just choose to turn off the interaction in the game like and make them play at that tempo yeah i like that and would in in your in your own opinion what would be your favorite matchup either to play or to watch and i know that's a hard question i'm sorry (laughs) no you're cool um it changes a lot um I think my favorite is probably Marth, probably Puff Marth. Oh, that is so much fun to watch. I really enjoy that matchup. There's just a lot of like unique rust setups you can do. Um, I think it, it provides like the most insightful answer to like, I talked earlier and said like, oh, like the way I like to play is kind of hot and cold. I like to be able to like switch between really aggressive options and really like campy options. And that's a matchup that really feels like it rewards it. Like, I have, like, a lot of, like, distinct player reads that I can feel like I can assert really well versus Marth players. Or, like, things I know how to do to bait out certain actions from Marth players, typically. So it makes the matchup feel very fun. And, like, um, I rarely feel like I play a Marth who I, like, can't can't figure out what they're looking for all the time. And then just figure out how to, like, abuse that thing. And that's really fun. Solving a match of melee feels really fun to me. Do you do you feel like there's a particular matchup that has been solved in your head and you go, oh, yeah, okay, got this locked down. But then after a few weeks or after a few months, you go, wait, 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 what's happening? Have you ever had that feeling with a matchup before? Um, Kind of. I think like every melee player, like it's probably a really good sign when you're like, if your hardest matchup was Falco and then you worked on it really hard and you go, you know what? Maybe he's not my worst one anymore. Maybe it's, it's a, uh, it's chic now. And then you work on that really hard and you solve it and you move on. Maybe it's Falcon now. Every time it changes, that probably shows that your like expectation of like what you need to be doing has raised enough to the point where your new weakness is showing. I never really feel like I solve a matchup quote unquote. Like I try to improve at them and sometimes I'll feel like, wow, I'm untouchable right now versus Fox. Right. And then some people just prove that I'm wrong. And that's like exciting for me every time. Uh, where I'll like, run into some crazy good player or like where I don't even know who it is. And it's like, whoa, this thing is a huge like wrench in what I'm trying to do. And then I have to like figure out how to add that to what I'm doing. But I never really feel like you solve a matchup. It feels more like you like you solve the match in the moment. Right. Like. And that's and that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it, it's a moment. But the it. It goes by, it becomes history, and then it's on to the next one. But yeah. with with you and competing and and also trying to do everything else, I one of the things that you said earlier that I thought was interesting, it's not interesting because it's bad or, or good either way. I'm saying it's interesting because you were talking about not enjoying or, or not enjoying as much the bigger side of melee the top players big super big tournaments so i'm thinking of scl in particular because we just had that wrap up the four weeks of scl action you have so many things that you're trying to pay attention to that's probably part of it but is it the the fact that you know the names of the people who are entering in the pink series tournaments and and when you're competing yourself you like or prefer competing in the more of the local local sense west coast only or or washington state or well i don't know if you still live in washington state you don't have to say but is that your preference when you're competing or streaming in the pink series tournaments um i it's not that i like okay so my thought is like the 
most fun melee to watch for me is like when I kind of feel like it's a little um, more unpredictable, right? So like when you're watching a big tournament, right? Let's just think of like, you're watching Genesis. Let's try to not use quarantine, right? Um, You're watching Genesis. My favorite part to watch for a major every time, which I love watching like uh, land majors, right? I love watching like the second pools into like the top cut area like maybe like top 24 ish right that's like my favorite area to watch melee because i feel like i'm going to see a lot of like unique interactions between really unique play styles and the farther you go near the top of melee i feel like we it hasn't always been like this i guess but like more as time goes the people who are the best representatives of their characters tend to gravitate towards a couple like the same options or like the same kind of things because the things are really really good right um and we see a little bit of difference in those styles, but, like, sometimes it feels a little predictable. So, like, a lot of time when I'm watching, like, a Summit uh, Championship League thing, right, and I'm watching the end of it, I kind of knew before going in, like, here will be the best, pl- the top performers of it. And the two, what, two weekends ago, we saw Wizrobe kind of shockingly turn around and win it, right? But... Even though that's like a, it's that's the upset, that's the surprise, right? It's exciting, it's cool. Um, it's not like that crazy though, right? Sometimes it's more fun to watch for me to watch like the micro parts of melee, where like the I don't know the Dreffen runs into uh, the fifth best player in Arkansas. Like that's a cool match for me to watch. I'm like super invested in that. Um, the top players, I'm like, I, they're cool. But, like, if I'm not super invested in those people or, like, something more about what that, like, storyline is, I don't know. It kind of loses me. So it's not so much – well, it is partially the social aspect of it. Do you know the person behind the controller? Like, do you know them better than – or, like, as a mutual? Or is it just more like, I know who that player is because I've seen them on stream before. I don't know them because I – like have ever had a conversation with them or interacted with them online but it's also about the predictable nature of a top eight at a major regardless if it's LAN or online sure there will occasionally to your point be whiz robes beating mangoes there will be those sets sometimes but more often than not it'll be someone like zane in the modern era winning a tournament and winning it pretty convincingly and in the past it was armada hbox before that so on and so on and i am interested in what you were saying about the the not purely the beginning of pools but sort of like that sweet spot of kind of in the middle right before getting to top 16 sort of like the top between top 64 and top 24 something like that is there a specific set or match that comes to mind when i talk about some of the last majors that were that were IRL like Big House Nine and Genesis Seven stuff like that that you remember watching and getting really hyped about, or do, do none come to mind at at this moment? Um, I mean, there are sets that come to mind, but I'm kind of like I'm trying to think about absolutely how recent they were. I'm I'm kind of bad at remembering which set happened at what tournament. Sometimes <laughs> no worries. I so mean, I'm like I, I don't even. I remember know. <laughs> like I can think of stuff where like my favorite kind of match to watch is it was um. Uh, and of course, I'm trying to remember. I think I think it was Genesis, but I could just be wrong of whichever Genesis it was in the year. But I remember watching Zasa, the Puff player, fight Zio, the Captain Falcon player. I don't and, know those um, names. Both of them were solid, but they weren't like top 100 or anything yet. And I remember watching that match and going like, wow, this is really cool. 
<laughs> Zasha had just gotten off of beating Kobol like the match before that too, and I was like, "This is cool. This is great melee." So that that would be that would be one example of one. I I wonder if that. Do you think that's like on YouTube somewhere, or is it just totally? Oh, I'm sure. Ooh. It was streamed. It would be somewhere. Hmm. I wonder if I can find it. Zasa Zio. Because like it, it like when people mention specific sets I haven't seen before. Uh, when I had Brentos on a while back, Brentos is a big supporter of all Texas melee players because that's that's where he's from as well, and he offhandedly mentioned Chandy versus Tafo Kints, and I was like who's Chandy? And he's like, you don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I'm not from Texas. And he's just like, well, a lot of people in melee know this set, yeah. but here I'll link it to you. And it was Chandy. See, I think that's really cool. I, I found the, I found the set. It was actually DreamHack Atlanta 2017. No worries. <laughs> no worries. I told you, I was like, I didn't remember how recent it really was, but that was the one that like really made me think about that. If you could link it to me, that'd be super helpful. But anyway, when we're done, if that's, if that's more helpful to yeah. you while we continue to, carry on that conversation all right yeah totally totally <laughs> i i do love hearing about and i think this is something that melee stats podcast is perfect for because they will talk about any set that they remember seeing even if it wasn't streamed like if one of them saw it it seems to be locked and loaded at all times where they can just bring it up and remember specific things about it and that's something that i admire so much while also simultaneously going, I don't know if I could ever do that. So Melee Stats Podcast is a good direction to go for people who are interested in hearing about the less heralded sets, the less known matchups that happen, and names that you may have never heard of. But it, when you're wanting to learn more about Melee, that's sort of the stage I'm in right now. It is really cool to hear about different stuff like that. So that'll be a match I'll be interested in checking out. But... Is there, you were sort of talking about how there's a, there's a set or two that people may quote unquote know you from. Is that something that you really put a lot of thought into to be like, oh, I have to play to a certain way for like how I've been cast as a player? Because we all sort of, especially for the top players, we think of Zane as playing in one way. We think of Mango as playing in another way and, and so on down the line. Do you feel that at all? Or do you feel totally relaxed about whoever's watching it doesn't matter you're just interested in competing yeah that's that's kind of an interesting question i might think about it kind of the other way around sometimes we're like i'm I'm not really like nervous like to be on a stream or like to be on a match that has viewers or whatever i think what i think about i it may be weird but like i'll sometimes try to like treat it the opposite way where um if i know i'm on like a stream match i might intentionally play more like lame or protect whatever way i feel like is going to get in my opponent's head more like like if i think that my opponent is going to feel like get nervous because i'm playing campy and they're on stream and like it looks silly for them right then i might do it right heck yeah that would be that hey that would get me that would get me all all out of sorts because i'd be like oh gosh i'm on stream there's 12 people watching and <laughs> just letting mm -hmm. someone just walk circles around me or fly circles around me however you however you want to phrase it <clears throat> that would totally get me at the very what least. i actually think is like maybe more common than like trying to play campy when it happens i i wish there was like a better term for this but like silly degenerate interactions in melee that like they can kind of you can kind of look like you're like a dummy for doing something goofy in melee 
because of your opponent. Like, do you ever see those situations where somebody will, like, do, like, jab pressure on your shield, like, really slow? And you, there is real threat there, but, like, you feel silly when it works. I try to do that kind of stuff all the time. I love that. Just to sort of, like, you're really stretching the brain of the person who's competing across from you because if they are or whether you understand it before going into the set or not, if you've played them before or not, you're you're testing to see how much they're reacting to what's in front of them as compared to a pre-programmed set of actions that they sort of have in their brain of, I will go in and do this, I will go in and do that. The most famous example that I can think of is when PC Chris and Ken were were playing in finals in these MLG tournaments back in the day, like way back in the day. And this was on the Samox documentary, the first one where PC Chris was talking about, I was telling my brain not to do short hop laser into forward smash or short hop laser into a nair or a dare. But I just kept doing it because I couldn't tell my hands to stop in the middle of a set in the middle of a tournament, like that sort of thing. It feels like that's what you want to do. You want to be like, Hey, me, V playing against you, the player. Are you actually thinking about what you're doing right now? Because I'm going to test to see whether or not you're actually engaging your reaction brain or not, if that makes sense. No, 100%. That's like exactly how I think about it. It's like, are you looking at the screen to see what's actually happening? And if not, I'm going to try to figure out what, like, where you don't, right? I love that. That sounds very, very cool. I think I could vibe with that, but maybe I would also get impatient at this impatient at the same time. Very exciting to uh, see what kind of style or or what kind of uh, inclination of of melee processing I'm going to get into when I hopefully eventually someday compete. <laughs> but back to you. I always think about that actually. Before I came, I always thought about like it's so interesting that like you still haven't entered a tournament, right? You haven't done an online tournament either. No, right? I have no access to internet currently. That stinks. I hope it is the most fun thing for you. You are in such an interesting, like, unique position to be, like, making Melee content and, like, engaging with some, like, pretty high-level players and, like, all sorts of different personalities in the community. And you're like, oh, I haven't really been to a tournament. Like, your first-hand experience is so different from others. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of the angle. But also, like, I've wanted to do Melee stuff in general for a long time, but always been, for whatever reason... I, I didn't and it, it chalk it up to being scared more or less <laughs> more somewhat of an introverted person and just like doubting myself I guess or like just I sort of had that that personality trait where like I'll just find any reason to like pick myself apart so that's probably part of it or at least a, a contributing factor but all that to say I'm excited to be even in the position that I am now where I get to talk to people like you have great insight into a game that I, I really truly do love it's just I also yes uh, my access to it at the moment is somewhat limited but it's been really fun to talk about Melee with with all kinds of people to your point it's been very fun and to sort of get in the direction of wrapping up I want to be respectful of your time here is the why melee question that we were sort of starting to get into but i thought wait that is such a big question i wanted to give you a little bit more time to sort of let that sit but another way for me to try to phrase this is throughout all this time you've definitely seen and watched played a lot of melee and there are unique things that happen occasionally but i feel like in someone from from your vantage point it probably happens less and less and 
although it's really cool when new things are discovered like new tech or you just see a new interaction you've never seen before where you go wow i've been playing this game for how long and i've truly never seen that before wow that's awesome that's crazy but it feels like it might happen less and less so in your vantage point is that the case it does that even matter to you in terms of why you continue to stick with melee and to play melee yeah um truthfully i don't really i don't really think that like melee doesn't really feel like it has like this limit of where those interactions are i think that's why it's so 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 appealing to me um it feels like those interactions just get optimized or they change or they have all these things but what's really cool about melee is like all the different ways we can interact with it um like I know it's not everybody's thing, but, like, melee singles, right, at the top level of melee singles is, like, the melee we think of when we talk about it. But there's melee singles at the top. There's melee singles, like, the stories that are formed, like, in local scenes, in, like, rivalries, in person-to-person things. I used to love those um, Save is Untitled videos where it, like, talked about the storylines that we might see at tournaments. Oh, yeah, those are great videos. Um. But, like, that's, like, a good way of, like, thinking about it. It's, like, it's not always about, like, the Mango versus Zane again, right? Those are cool. They have their own things that are attached to them that are really big. But, like, your experience in Melee, or so I speak for me, but I really speak for, like, what I think is so cool about Melee is that the experience of Melee is, like, as you are more involved, it's a game unlike any other I've really seen where, like, in order to engage with it, you kind of have to become social. You have to engage with people. And that will make your interaction and your attachment to everything you do so different. Like, I just want to say, like, think about this. Like, we're having this talk here today, right? We live on opposite sides of the country. And you know the first time I ever see you go into your first major and you're on the stream and you're playing and you're playing some really scary top 100 player, you know I'm going to lose it for you. Like, that's so cool. Like, that set won't have that interaction for other people necessarily, but it will for me. And like it, that concept in a million different ways is why melee is so cool. And then we have doubles. Like we have doubles melee. We have volleyball that's becoming more relevant. I speed run target test. Like Ooh. <laughs> I love, I just love the game and there's so many different things inside of it that I don't really think we're, we're not really anywhere near like the capacity of like all the interesting things this game has to offer us. Like even in melee singles. And then like we got all this other stuff. Like who knows where we're going to go with it. It's going to be super cool. And V, I will be popping off for you as well. Oh my goodness. That would be very, very cool. We'll see if I can actually, Oh, traveling across the country for a major seems like a bit of a challenge as of right now, but we shall see. <laughs> and Okay, for a local. Yes. I'll see you on a local on Twitch, and I'll go, I know them. <laughs> like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme on like on the couch of being like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know that person. Oh, boy. Oh, you didn't need a little bit of a little bit of help. But all that to say, I am excited to eventually be able to do online competitions at some point and possibly a local or two as it becomes safe. Of course, you get it. And to 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 summarize all this i want to give you the the red carpet if you will i i try not to say that but i find myself saying it a lot and i feel like i'm stealing from sean evans so shout out to hot ones but please tell the people where they can find you offer your closing thoughts all that good stuff um yeah um the best places to find me are like twitter or that sort of stuff i'm pretty much 
cat named underscore v on anything or i'm cat named virtue uh on anything that i would be on i guess i really only engage with like twitter or discord or whatever tournament you end up finding me through um let's go and make people understand lame melee more and get what makes the game so cool and interesting let's unban wobbling and yeah that's that's where we're at <laughs> v thank you so much for joining me tonight on a uh, bottom smash mountain i really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me i really appreciate being on here why is it so quiet oh right transition you made it. Congratulations to making it to the end of the interview with V and to V specifically. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast with me. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Let's talk about a few things that we need to clarify from the interview. So first of all, after we were done recording, V was telling me how she said she wanted a little bit more love shown to the Melee Stats crew, the Melee Stats Collective, because V has actually participated to some degree with Melee Stats. And if you're curious about all that kind of stuff, that would be a good question to ask her by way of a tweet or something, maybe just in her Discord as well for the Pink Tournament Series, which is another thing that I need to clarify with y'all. When we were done recording, she also wanted me to say that not every single pink tournament series specific tournament is actually live streamed on any sort of Twitch place or anything like that. Here's the deal. Pink tournament series is actually not streamed as a rule. And when it is, it's more of the exception. So I saw that one had been streamed a few nights ago probably several nights ago by now. And so I thought to myself, oh, I guess that's a regular thing. But no, 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 silly me. I did not I did not dive deep enough into all the tweets that V has ever made. That's actually an exception to the rule. There are people who p compete, participate in the tournament who will live stream their own personal viewpoint, their own run through the bracket, whether it's doubles or singles. But as a rule, the Pink Tournament Series is not live-streamed. And if you're sad about this, that's okay. You know why? Because you still have an opportunity to participate. In the description of this here podcast episode, there's a link to the Pink Tournament Series Discord. So if you have a Discord, which you should, please, by all means, click on that, tap on that, get into the Discord, enter in an event, and then V will know who you are and be able to shout you out when you inevitably start crushing these top players way down the line probably most likely way down the line if you will go i know that person they were in my pink tournament series for a long long time and they don't compete as much anymore but that is so cool and let's go this person whoever that ends up being that's just one possible way to enjoy the pink tournament series but maybe there are other ways to enjoy it as well the community sense the fact that the to happens to be a super cool person just a just a thought <laughs> so i have clarified those things i also want to take a moment to recognize that we have a very special birthday to celebrate today firepuff 12 that's right it is may 12th and that is apparently when firepuff 12 is not turning 12 <laughs> a little older than that but 
has completed another year around the sun, so we have to celebrate by singing happy birthday to Firepuff 12. So here we go. <clears throat> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Firepuff 12. Happy birthday to you. You're welcome for the shout out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that too pretentious? How do I how do I end it on a good note? Oh, this is something cool. In my family, both in my literal immediate family as in my wife and children, but also my parents and my siblings, what we like to do is when we can all be together and celebrate birthdays and such for the per birth for the birthday person that is sitting at the table and the rest of us are also at the table eating dinner, about to have cake or strawberry shortcake, cookies or brownies or ice cream, or maybe just pretty much all of the above. We like to say things that we like about that person. It's not a roasting session, okay? <laughs> that is for the other 364 days of the year. But for birthday dinner, we like to say things that we like about that person. We talk about the year in review, if you will. It's almost like a performance review where we don't necessarily make it about the performance. We just talk about things that we like about the person and, and to recognize achievements, things that have gone well for the person in the past year, those sort of things, as well as looking ahead to the future and saying how excited we are for them to do this or to do that things that we know that they're going to be doing. It's been a really nice tradition because we do love each other. So the roasting joke it is true in one way, but we do love each other for the 364 other days of the year. It's not like we save it all for a birthday dinner. Yeesh. So in honor of that, I'll also, to make up for the fact that I was saying, you're welcome for the shout out. That was my roast. Now let's say something that I like about Firepuff 12. When Firepuff 12 first learned about me, they reached out, said hello. Very nice of him to do that. And I was flattered because, not because, okay, hmm. I was flattered because anyone who is willing to take the time to say, I listened to a podcast episode, that's very cool, or whatever the the comment is where it says, I took the time of day to acknowledge your presence, so good for you, and thank you. If it goes along that way, and that's what Firepuff 12 did, and I really appreciated that. It meant a lot to me to hear that comment. And it means a lot to me to hear those comments wherever it happens. But that was the first experience that I remember having with Firepuff 12. And then as we got to know each other a little bit more, Firepuff 12 made it a point, especially after our interview. So you should go listen to the interview as well. Made it a point after our interview to just give me little shouts out here and there on Twitter also took an idea that I had somewhat seriously <laughs> and actually made a video out of the idea that I passed on to him. Nothing too complicated, just how to hold a controller properly. So you should go look that up on Firepuff 12's YouTube. All that to say, I think that Firepuff 12, one, one really awesome trait is that he has this very warm hearted personality thing where he will be very very nice and be very open be very caring and yes 
sometimes that may not be true because I think when I say things like that about a person, I want to clarify they're not like that 100% of the time and they never experience negative emotions because that's certainly true. But what I mean to say is that Firepuff 12 likes to operate from more of the positive side based on our interactions. And that is helpful to me because I like to operate off of a positive standpoint as well. So really, it's just two positive forces just getting in on the excitement of being positive. Does that make any sense? It may not. And normally, by the way, even though norm I am used to talking to family members about things that I like about them specifically, <laughs> this still does not go over well most of the time when I talk to family members on their birthday and say, I like this about you, duh. I'm 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 not the best at handing out compliments. So this thought exercise that I've been trying to do here I did not prepare myself for, so I should have thought about it more, but I don't care. I think that Firepuff Twelve will somewhat appreciate the extra attention, love and compliments, if you even want to call it that. I mean I I hope I hope that you take this well, Fire. <laughs> I hope you take it well. So we sang happy birthday to Firepuff 12. And we also said things that we liked about Firepuff 12. That we like, excuse me, about Firepuff 12. Let's talk about one more thing that I saw today that I was like, oh. <laughs> Speaking of Melee Stats Pod, why haven't I seen this kind of tweet from them before? IBDW, yes, the very IBDW who be doing work or whatever that stands for put out this tweet saying my very well thought out and definitely didn't only look at final brackets of the big online tournaments list of my favorite sets in quarantine and here were the ranks at honorable mentions we have hbox versus harry pogger and don't test me at number 10 we have don't test me versus ginger in the first don't test me run we have at the nine slot plup versus mango scl final bracket recency bias no i'm kidding at eight, we have Mango versus Zane. Two Final Destination wins, docked points for SCL. At number seven, we have Wizzy versus Ginger at Summit 10. At number six, we have Mango versus IBDW, Summit 10 Tech Reversal. At number five, we have Ginger versus HBox, Summit 10 Charge Down Smash. And I remember that too, that was wild. At number four, we have Wizzy versus Zane, docked points because SCL. Number three, Nun versus IBDW, Nun's first major win. And number two, we have Zane versus Hungrybox for local. And number one, the most bestest set of all of quarantine, S2J versus Zane at LACS3. So go and like the tweet and share and engage in the discourse. So far, five comments. Although Twitter lies about that sort of thing. If somebody responds to a comment, then I don't think that actually shows up in the final numbers. I get confused with that. I, I hope that you all get confused too because I'm, I'm there with you. I'm very much there with you. So about IBDW's list. Do I agree with it? Sure, let's, let's go with that. I would, not have picked Z, I would not have picked S2J versus Zane. I tried to say both of their tags at the same time, so my B. I would not have picked S2J versus Zane. I think I would have actually picked Wizzy versus Mango, but that's only because 
it's insane to think that someone can go a really long time of never beating another player and then all the stars align for it to actually happen in fairness to both of the competitors it was cross-country connection on rollback which is very very good very solid but it's technically not in person so i feel like there's always going to be, be a bit of a caveat to all the sets that we have witnessed in quarantine and i'm also thinking about how don't test me versus ginger was played on delay based netcode <laughs> and it's on the list uh, all that to say, what would be my favorite? What would be my favorite set in quarantine? I have put forth the Wizzy versus Mango, but I still. The more I think about it, the more I actually change my mind and say that's not actually my favorite set in quarantine. I should have thought about what set I would pick, but in the interest of time, let's look at this one more time. Ginger, Wizzy, Zane. Actually, it's kind of crazy how much Zane appears on this list just in general. <laughs> That's a compliment to Zane because he always manages to make sets very, very hype because of his seemingly untouchable status at times. It's sort of like how a lot of big, important sets in all of Melee history tend to have Armada in them because Armada is that kind of a player, always there, ready to take it, and then it takes a miraculous run, a miraculous rest, a miraculous performance, whatever it may be, to overcome Armada. And although he won plenty of his own sets and grand finals and tournaments, there are a lot of hype melee moments that you can think of, and Armada is involved in one way or another. And I feel like Zane is sort of heading in that direction. He's not there yet. <laughs> You'd have to play for years without losing anybody to anybody below like the sixth rank. Because that was sort of a thing for Armada for a very long time. He didn't lose to anybody except for the other gods, if you will, and and Leffen. So I'm not sure what my favorite set is as of now, but I'll go ahead and think about it. Maybe I'll come back to this. I just wanted to read out this list because I think this is interesting in the grander scheme of things. And this is what I really wanted to talk about with this is how we're going to look at quarantine when it's officially over. That doesn't mean that rollback melee becomes useless and that no one's going to play it because, of course, people are going to play it. I mean, Ginger is still living and kicking and wears number 28 for Luminosity Gaming, so you know that Ginger will be grinding if nobody else <laughs> online. <laughs> but I realize if Ginger were the only one, then that also means can't get any matches on unranked or even ranked if he were the only one. Oh, ranked has not come out yet for the record. I was assuming in the future of like a year from now where in-person tournaments are more of a thing. And maybe that takes two years. Maybe it takes three years. We don't know. But when tournaments become more of a regular thing in the post-pandemic world and we can all say to ourselves comfortably, hey, more than half of these big sets, big matches have been played in person, then we're probably going to start looking at rankings again, probably going to start looking at other sort of ways to measure performances and not having to use the asterisk of online play as much, which again is solid, is very doable, very playable. And thank you, Fizzy, as always. Thank you, Fizzy. But we also are all aware of how when it's in person, 
you're not going to get rollback because you're on the same TV and the same console or monitor. <gasps> monitor versus CRTs again. All right. Focusing back in on how we look back at the quarantine era. I think there should be a post-quarantine ranking of the players. When I say that, I mean once all of this is sort of behind us, can we not have somebody like the Melee Stats Collective practical tasks, although practical tasks I feel like is an honorary Melee Stats person, I feel like. But anyway, or people who dive really deep into the game from a com competition perspective who knows the players, like V, actually. V's a good example because she tries very hard to pay attention to up-and-coming players and players that compete in regions outside of her own in general. So can we not have in 2022, in 2023, whenever it's been a while since we have all been paying attention to a lot of the online stuff because we're sort of back on the IRL the land perspective can we not look back and say all right you know what just for the sake of it let's go ahead and rank the best this of all times of all quarantine excuse me the best this of all quarantine the best that of all quarantine and most importantly <laughs> the top 100 online players an online ranking for after this is all over i can understand the concern about doing it during quarantine and during the heat of the pandemic but is it really a big deal if we look back and say okay so zane best player in the world and here's why and people go oh, okay cool yeah we heard we already knew that we're already moving on with life because someone may be ranked 85th and be super excited and be like, oh, I'm going to use this and put this on my resume to all of the gaming organizations, all the esports organizations out there and get a, a, a contract and get paid to play video games. Woo! Maybe that happens. But is that a bad thing? And if somebody gets snubbed, if people get snubbed from the top 100 online ranking or, or even or maybe we can just do a top 10 and not go all the way up to top 100. There's all kinds of different scenarios where in my head I feel like if I do it, it's going to suck. So can somebody else do it, please? <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to when I had Wheat, Gimme Dat Wheat, on the podcast. And we both were, especially Wheat, saying, look, if you want online rankings, no one's stopping you from doing it yourself. And I said, oh, that's a great point. I love that. And now here I am wishing that Wheat and the other Melee Stats people would do. Ugh. I'm having a really big moment here of just understanding how quickly I forget, how quickly we all forget about things that we said in the best way that we could at that time. We said it with the best of intentions. We're not going to do the degenerate things. And here I am poking the bear, <laughs> if you will, and saying, let's rank stuff. But not me. <laughs> so should I do top 10 quarantine players once this is all over? You you tell me. You be the judge. I, I would be interested in hearing feedback about that. You already told me that instead of saying there was a little tiny puff inside of the dollar bill in the Emperor Lemon HBox doc, 
it was Puff, not Pikachu. I was listening back to myself and I said Pikachu and I went, that's not right. It's a Puff. That was the whole point of the conversation with V. We were talking about Hungrybox and Puff and playing Puff in general and also the Michael versus Bananas thing and the Emperor Lemon documentary about Hungrybox's Puff and wow, did I really say Pikachu? Oh, I did. I listened back to it three times just to make sure that I wasn't like fooling myself, but yep. I said Pikachu. <laughs> so now that you know that, reach out to me on the Twitter and tell me, yeah, why don't you take a crack at this whole top 100 thing or top 10 thing? Or to say, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm counting on you all to not reach out to me and ask me to do that because I would be super nervous to actually give that a try. So shake on it. Cool. Reach out to me about something else. Alrighty. That was your call to action essentially to do nothing except wait for the next episode which is not going to be coming until this weekend but i hope that you will all be around to enjoy it once it actually does arrive very excited for that and i'm excited to continue on with the podcasting it's been a blast so far i lost the interview that was supposed to be episode 50 well I don't think I lost it so much as the person who made their own recording of their side of the interview, but I don't hold it against that person. I'm going to have them back on at some point and it's going to be awesome. But in that episode, I took a few minutes to basically say, well, thanks for, thanks for 50. It was cool. And we're well beyond 50 episodes now, but for the episodes after the 50 mark and so on and so on to all of you, I just want to say thank you. I'm rambling, so I'm thinking of all kinds of things that I didn't have saved on my phone to talk about, and we're 21 minutes in to after an hour-ish long interview. So, ooh, it's been tough for you to hang in there and listen, so let's get you going here. The point is, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. We'll catch you later. <laughs>